MSW Media. Thanks to ZBiotics for supporting the Daily Beans. ZBiotics engineered a pre-alcohol probiotic. Go to zbiotics.com/dailybeans to get 15% off your first order when you use code DAILYBEANS at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Today, the judge in the Fulton County DA case investigating 2020 election interference has ordered parts of the special purpose grand jury report released. George Santos and the case of the missing $365,000. The Department of Justice has been given another extension to weigh in on Trump's civil immunity claims. And the chair of the Georgia Republican Party is calling it quits. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Happy Valentine's Day. I love you. I love you. And just, you know, you would have asked at the end of the episode, do you have any final thoughts? And these would have been my final thoughts, but sometimes people don't stay to the end. I know it's Valentine's Day, but think about any sort of love and that's including self-love. So if you don't have a special someone today, please don't feel down and out about the stupid commercial holiday because people should love each other every day. But just remember that. You don't have to have someone special. Love a friend. Love your pet. Don't love your animals, though. Like, you, you can love your animals. Just don't love your animals. You remember right? truth. Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Yeah. Truth about cats and dogs. <laughs> exactly. But uh, just so, yeah, don't let this don't let this holiday get to you. But if you do have someone that is special in your in your life, give them a squeeze, give them a kiss, do whatever you do. But also, if you don't, just remember, you got a lot of love around you. So enjoy that today. Yeah, we love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Exactly. Also, I do not accept heart-shaped jewelry. Uh, just putting that out there. Okay. All right. <laughs> there you have it. I have to go because I need to return something. I'll be back in about 15 minutes. <laughs> that open hearts collection by Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Remember that? It looks like a pair of... No. Yeah. It's awful. Uh, oh anyway... God. If I ever give one someone like heart jewelry, it's going to be a literal heart, like not like the cartoon (laughs) heart, like ventricles and everything. And I'll be like, I love you (laughs) with all my heart, with all my heart. All right. Well, we have a lot of news to get to today. Uh, Also, we have a good news segment at the end of the show. Stick around for that. It's always worth it. If you have any good news you want to send in, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Let's get to the news. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Hakim and Fawcett at The New York Times, a Georgia judge said on Monday he would disclose parts of a grand jury report this Thursday that details an investigation into election interference by the former guy and his allies, though he would keep much of it secret for now. Delaying the release of parts of the report until Thursday will allow Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis time to meet with the judge and discuss the logistics of the publication and the possibility of further redactions. In making his ruling, the judge, Robert McBurney of Fulton County Superior Court, said the special purpose grand jury raised concerns in its report, quote, that some witnesses may have lied under oath during their testimony. But the eight page (laughs) ruling. Yeah, I know. Shocker. But the eight page ruling included a few other revelations about the report, but not many, uh, and the contents of which have been carefully guarded with only one physical copy in the possession of the DA's office. The ruling does, however, indicate that the special grand jury's findings are serious. The report includes, quote, a roster of who should or should not be indicted and for what 
in relation to the conduct and aftermath of the 2020 general election in Georgia. It will be up to Fonnie Willis, that's the DA, to decide what, if any, charges she will bring to a regular grand jury. Judge McBurney said he would release portions of the report on Thursday, like I said, in addition to the part detailing the grand jury's concerns about witnesses lying under oath, he'll make public the report's introduction and conclusion, sections that could give a general impression of the extent to which Trump and others might face legal jeopardy. At a hearing last month, a coalition of news organizations asked the judge to make the whole report public, as the jurors had recommended. But Ms. Willis sought to keep the special grand jury's findings secret, at least ahead of her charging decisions, which she said were imminent. And she said that during the hearing, she was mindful of protecting future defendants' rights. Judge McBurney said in his ruling that the nature of the special grand jury process allowed for only very limited due process for those who might now be named as indictment-worthy in the final report. Because of that, he said, the report's charging recommendations are for the DA's eyes only, for now. Thomas Clyde, a lawyer for the news organization, including the New York Times, declined to comment on the ruling. Ms. Willis, in a statement, said Monday, I believe Judge McBurney's order is legally sound and consistent with my request. She will not file an appeal. If Fonnie Willis is satisfied, Dana, I am satisfied. Indeed. Now, nearly 20 people known to have been named targets of the criminal investigation, as well as others, could face charges, including Rudy Rudy Giuliani, and David Schaefer. I have another story about him later in the show. He's the head of the Georgia Republican Party. For now, the central question is whether Trump himself will face criminal charges. Legal analysts who have filed the case say there are two areas of considerable risk for Donald. And I read the entire ruling, Dana, and I saw a big hint in it that Trump himself will be indicted. I will reveal that hint on tomorrow's Clean Up on Aisle 45 podcast, which is free to the public. It's just me right now. Peter Strzok will join me as the new co-host next Wednesday, February 22nd. So mark your calendars. I'm very excited. All right. Thank you so much. And my favorite drag queen in the news, Representative George Santos, if that is his real name, has spent his campaign money in plenty of conspicuous ways, from lavish hotel stays in Vegas to Palm Beach, Florida, to an unusual slew of payments for exactly two cents below the threshold where receipts would be required. But deep within Mr. Santos's campaign filings, the New York Times found another eye-catching number, 365,399 and eight cents in unexplained spending with no record of where it went and for what purpose. While the mysterious expenditures, which list no recipient and offer no receipts, account for nearly 12% of Santos's campaign's total reported expenses, many times exceeding what is typical for congressional candidates. Now, fellow New York House members, for example, failed to itemize between mm, zero and 2% of their expenses this past cycle. Yep, 12% for Santos. Without explanations for each expenditure in the reports filed with the Federal Elections Commission, it's impossible to determine if Mr. Santos spent campaign funds on legitimate election-related purposes. Now. <laughs> I you know. Election laws experts, they said that the 365000 in unexplained expenses were not necessarily illegal, but suggested a pattern of remarkable sloppiness, if not an attempt to cover an improper spending that violated campaign finance laws. It's that Which one. would be illegal. <laughs> now, the unexplained spending is among a litany of irregularities found in nearly every aspect of how the Santos campaign handled its finances. And this was found by the Times. Now, several donors said in interviews that Santos' campaign or associated groups misrepresented how much they gave. Now, campaign finance documents show discrepancies between what the Santos campaign reported having spent 
and what recipients, such as the Republican candidates, reported having given. When the campaign has amended its filings, as it has 36 times, some payments have gone up or simply just disappeared. And though other New York candidates list 26000 in donations from Mr. Santos, the contributions do not appear in his filings at all. Hmm. Right. Mr. Santos's director of communications declined to comment. Really? Shocking. Joe Murray, his lawyer, said that it would be inappropriate to comment giving ongoing investigations into Mr. Santos. Yes. Okay. The degree to which Mr. Santos has seemingly stretched campaign finance rules underscores the challenge that the FEC faces in its effort to monitor hundreds of federal campaigns and an exploding number of political committees across the country each election cycle. The Santos campaign's accounting of the political donations it received is also littered with discrepancies. Some donors say the amount reported by the campaign did not match what they actually gave. And several donors interviewed by The Times received letters from the FEC asking them to explain donations that appear to be above the legal threshold. Well, but the issues went beyond that, AG. In one case, the campaign reported 24 separate transactions from one donor that totaled nearly $20,000 in excess of what is legally allowed. All are linked to the donor's former address, but they use different versions of the donor's <laughs> name, which is hilarious, making it appear as if the money is coming from two different people. Now, some of the contributions incorrectly refer to the donors having a spouse. The donor, who asked not to be identified, said his own records indicated that he gave around 13000 to the campaign, which I'm sure he would like back at this point, and an associated committee in six transactions through that period. Now, another generous Santos donor, his name's Andrew Intrader. Intrader. I'm going to go with Intrader because it sounds illegal, said that his, <laughs> that his personal financial records show that he donated around $250,000 to the campaign and various Santos-connected political groups during the 2020 cycle. But not all the donations in the filings matched Mr. Intrader's records. This is what he said. Now, Mr. Intrader gave $175,000 to something called Rise New York PAC, which is a voter registration effort he later learned was run by George Santos's sister and Nancy Marks, who's his campaign treasurer, only to later discover that 95000 of that was not reported by the group in the financial reports required by the state. Now, the PAC recently updated its filings to reflect the missing donations, okay? Those go back to 2021. Now, Mr. Intrader also made another $25,000 donation to a Santos-affiliated political entity called Redstone Strategies. Now, Mr. Intrader made the donation after a Redstone representative at Mr. Santos's prodding told him and other donors that Redstone was raising $1.5 million for a hefty television ad buy on behalf of Mr. Santos. Well, Mr. Intrader says he has provided information about the donations to the Department of Justice. And by the way, Intrader also has ties to the Kremlin. We covered this before. <laughs> yep. He's, he's uh, related to that Vexelberg guy, remember? Yep. Yep. All right, back down to Fulton County, Georgia. Remember when I said, you know, put a pin in David Schaefer? Oh, Stick yeah. a fork in him, actually, because yes. he's done. <laughs> well done. Georgia GOP Chair David Schaefer told Republican officials he's not running for another term amid backlash over the party's performance during the past two election cycles and scrutiny from prosecutors. That's probably really the reason for his role in promoting Donald Trump's lies claiming election fraud. Schaefer, a former state senator, informed members of the state GOP committee on Friday he will not seek a third term when the party votes this summer. That's according to three senior Republican officials. 
who shared an email he sent to activists. Quote, I have felt for some time I should refocus on my family, which would include, at least for the short term, all my friends who are also going to prison. No, he didn't say that. Uh, scaling, <laughs> scaling back on my volunteer activities. That's what he wrote in the email, which endorsed former state senator Josh McCoon as his successor. Schaefer announced his plans amid a brewing revolt from activists. He already faced a challenge from Rebecca Yardley, the 9th District GOP chair, who entered the race with a pledge to energize the party's grassroots. Others could soon announce their candidacies. Schaefer led the party during the devastating losses in the 2020 election cycle that cost Republicans control of the Senate and helped tank Trump's bid for a second term as president, then blamed Secretary of State Raffensperger for the losses. He was a key promoter of Trump's election fraud lies, this guy Schaefer, and his role as a fake elector has potentially put him in the crosshairs of state and federal investigators, weighing whether to file criminal charges against the former guy and his allies on allegations they tried to illegally overturn the election. Now, you'll remember, Dana, we did a report where, where Fonnie Willis had to recuse herself from one of the fraudulent electors because she did a political fundraiser for his opponent. Right. That's Schaefer. Ah. So her office was allowed to continue investigating him, but she personally couldn't oversee that. Schaefer's memo to party leaders on Friday framed himself as an aggrieved victim of partisan politics. He depicted 2022 as an incredibly dark environment in which the organs of law enforcement huh, have been weaponized against Republicans. Organs? Like the... Uh, he wrote that he'd been subpoenaed by the U.S. House January 6th committee and visited by federal agents... Hmm. And listed as a target for potential criminal prosecution by Fulton County D.A. Fonnie Willis as part of her probe. And in what he highlighted as one of his final acts, Schaefer praised the state party for agreeing to finance the legal expenses of the 14 fraudulent electors who could also face criminal charges. Quote, I have raised the money to honor that commitment so that none of them have had to pay a penny out of pocket. So all of the taxpayers or not taxpayers, but people who donated to him in Georgia. You're paying the Legal Defense Fund for the 14 fraudulent electors. You're welcome. Oh, yes, you are. And a G, this is from Zoe Tillman at Bloomberg News. The Justice Department finds itself in a politically precarious situation as it decides whether to back Donald Trump against lawsuits over the U.S. Capitol riot. It's asking a court for more time to make that call. Trump argues he is entitled to immunity against the civil suits by Democratic members of Congress and law enforcement officers seeking to hold him responsible for the January 2021 attack. Well, lawyers for the U.S. this week asked the federal appeals court in Washington for a second deadline extension to decide whether to submit a brief, and if so, what to say in that brief, in a trio of cases. Trump contends that because he was president at the time, he can't be sued over tweets or other public statements and acts. Well, Trump's immunity claim has pulled the Justice Department into a case it hadn't asked to be involved in in the first place. Now, the department historically has embraced robust legal protections for whoever sits in the White House. But supporting Trump risks intense public backlash and puts government lawyers in the very uncomfortable position of taking an official stance on the role he played in the January 6th attack, even as a special counsel appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland pursues a criminal investigation into those very events. Well, the federal government isn't a party to the litigation. And the Justice Department didn't ask to file a brief. But after hearing arguments on December 7th, the U.S. Court of Appeals for D.C. Circuit invited the department to share its views, an invitation that isn't mandatory, but would be unusual for the department to decline at this point. Now, the appeals court granted the department's first extension request last month, resetting the deadline from January 17th to February 16th. 
On Wednesday, the government asked for two more weeks or until March 2nd. Today, the judge granted the second extension. In asking for another delay, lawyers from the Civil Division's appellate office told the D.C. Circuit that, quote, all potential affected government components had to be consulted before U.S. Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelegar could decide what to do. Now, in 2021, the government rejected former Republican Representative Mo Brooks's claim that he was acting in his official capacity when he spoke at a rally before the Capitol attack and was entitled to have the U.S. government step in on his behalf. Well, department lawyers wrote that the rally was, quote, campaign activity and that the allegations against Brooks that he conspired to incite violence against Congress wouldn't fall within the scope of his employment, nor should it. A judge later dismissed Brooks from the case completely. Now, Trump appealed after a federal judge in Washington rejected his immunity defense. During his arguments, a three-judge panel of the D.C. Circuit grappled with how to balance Trump's sweeping claim of immunity for his public statements with the plaintiff's position that interfering with the peaceful transfer of power crossed the line. So it is a really complicated case. It'll be interesting to see how this one unfolds. Yeah. And these are the civil cases, you know, it, Benny Thompson, Eric Swalwell, and then the Blazing game suit where the, the police officers, the Capitol Police officers, those three suits, you know, against Trump, um, yes. civil suits, not criminal. And uh, I, we do know Benny Thompson withdrew his suit because he was he became chair of the January 6th Select Committee. So it's um, now we're up to the Blazing game and the Swalwell suit. We'll see how it goes. But they they've they keep asking for more time. And I can't figure out why. I, I, are they waiting for January 6th indictments? Because those aren't going to come probably until end of spring. Right. Like we've been saying. And they're keep pushing it back to March 2nd. They aren't asking for like, hey, October, can we do October? You know, so I'm not sure like how this is going to play out or, or what it is that, that they're stalling for. Maybe they just literally need more time, but it, it feels like they're stalling, Dana. I'm not sure. It sure does. All right. Well, we'll, we'll find out when they write it up. Apparently it's due March 2nd. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the good news. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. When I drink alcohol these days, I don't bounce back the next morning like I used to. This means that sometimes I would be the only person in the group not drinking, and I would even occasionally drop out of plans with friends altogether. But now... I don't have to miss out on those social gatherings because I found the perfect solution. It's called Zbiotics. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by a PhD scientist to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in your gut. It is this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it the most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep before you feel your best tomorrow. Zbiotics helps me avoid rough mornings the day after I go out for a few drinks with my friends. Every time I have Zbiotics before drinking, it makes a huge difference in how good I feel the next day. I'm able to bounce out of bed, get up, you know, take my supplements and then, you know, head to the gym, tackle, start tackling my to-do list. It's awesome. I can't imagine going without it again. So give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash dailybeans to get 15% off your first order when you use code dailybeans, all one word, at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they will refund your money with no questions asked. That's Zbiotics, Z. B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com slash Daily Beans. And don't forget to use code Daily Beans at checkout. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Everyone 
Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions or corrections, or if you want to send us uh, your rescue pup so we can play What the Mutt, we've gotten quite good at it, except we tanked yesterday, Dana. We Oh my God, we had, we got like a half a, we got maybe a tenth of a pup. <laughs> yeah. We need, give us another chance and send it in. We'll try to guess the, the breeds in your rescue dog. Or, you know, you could play Find the Cat. Uh, where you send us a picture that your cat is supposed to be there and, you know, maybe it's not as readily apparent as as it should be. We love to play that game, too. If you want to give a shout out to somebody you love uh, or, you know, a shout out to a local business. I mean, there's anything you want to send us, really. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. So first up, Dana, from Jen, pronoun she and they. I first found the Daily Beans when I was spending New Year's Eve 2020 listening to Dana as the host of the Olivia special online during COVID. I've been following you both ever since. My wife and I will be celebrating our 10-year anniversary on the anniversary cruise with Olivia Travel. I was inspired to go on this cruise, not our usual mode of travel, because I saw that Dana would be on board and I was so excited to meet you. I just learned that because oh, no. the first cruise was sold out, we're on the second cruise. It looks like you're not on that one. So sad. Thanks for turning me on to this podcast as you have been the main source for my news for a couple of years. Dana, our community owes you a debt of gratitude for all you do for the LGBTQ plus community. And I agree, Dana. Oh, my goodness. Jen, uh, if possible, and um, send an email. Uh, if you don't mind, I can get your email from the producer. I don't know what city you live in, but hopefully we can find another way to at least meet each other at a show or, I don't know, passing in Fort Lauderdale. We'll figure it out. But I'm so sorry that didn't work out. But I love that you listen and I'm, I love that you watch that show. And I hope you have a blast on the second week. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So thank you so much. This next one's from Rusty Squid. Pronouns he and him. Hey, Beans Queens. I signed up as a patron to support your incredible casts. Belated happy birthday to AG from another Aquarian. I just turned 60 last week. Well, a belated birthday to you, Rusty. A shout out to my Blue Indiana Sailors from Larry Bird's hometown. Mm -hmm. Now, the mutts in this photo below are three dogs that I dog sit. The pug is Winnie, the lab is Sparkles, and Lisey? Well, you tell me. LOL. Seriously, we don't know. Also, some frogs I wanted to exhibit. Exhibit. Get it? I do get it. (laughs) All right. So we got a pug and a lab. And where's the third one? Oh, Leah, look. It's like a little Benji dog. Yeah. So cute. It's so cute. Yeah. I'm going to say whatever Benji is, is what that dog is. That's exactly right. It's It's a Benji breed. Froggies. Look at froggies. Hey, froggies. Thank you for the frogs. I appreciate that. Next up from Carolyn, pronoun she and her. Been a while since I've sent some good news, but I thought I'd share my simple joy of playing angst-filled 80s songs with my middle kid, who's 16 years old. We are currently lounging on the couches while I DJ, playing my best angst-filled alternative rock that sparked my emotions when I was 16. Sitting Still by R.E.M., Ceremony by New Order, Don't Give Up by Peter Gabriel. You get the Gen X feel. I love that my kids can find joy in the music that drove me to dance to the light of my ugly desk lamp in high school. 2022 was hard. We had all the therapy, but this kid has flourished since overcoming nerves and owning their musical theater talent. I'm so happy to see their confidence grow after years of their depression and anxiety. So that's my simple good news. I'm sending photos of each of my kids as babies. I miss that stage, but then I don't miss that stage. Love to you and this lovely community. Oh, I know the babies. Oh, they're beautiful. Look at the smile in that third picture and sitting in a 
<laughs> sitting in a bowl, a pot. It's a pot, right? He's sitting in a oh, yeah. pot. I love baby pictures oh. and pots. I mean, start oh. sending those in because I have some great baby pictures of my niece and nephew in like sinks when they were babies and they're just chilling out in a sink because that's, that's probably where they got cute. a bath. Oh, so cute. All right. This is from Jeffrey L. Pronounce he and him. As a married guy with two kids, when the house is finally quiet late in the evening, I often repair to the kitchen and eat Ben and Jerry's out of a carton like the pig that I am. Hey, dad bods don't just happen. You have to work at it. Recently, I had stocked up on Ben and Jerry's because pints were on sale. Two for $8 is a hell of a deal. Among all the flavors, the good folks in Waterbury, Vermont produce Cherry Garcia is my favorite. Mm. When I told my five-year-old son that I had bought more ice cream, he was quite happy until I told him that I bought two pints of Cherry Garcia. But dad, I don't like Garcia's, he cried, filled the kitchen with five-year-old despair. The next day, I asked him if he wanted to have some ice cream, and he doubled down, declaring, I can't have that ice cream, Dad. I'm allergic to Garcia's. <laughs> well, after deciding that this was not a battle to be fought because it would allow me to eat all the cherry Garcia myself, I explained to him a week or two later that Garcia is a family name, and Cherry Garcia is a takeoff on the name of a musician from Daddy's favorite band. <laughs> As Kid Tax attaches a picture of me, our five-year-old on the left, and our 15th-month-old daughter in the middle. Thanks for all you do. <gasps> Look. Oh, wow, she looks just like you. Uh, the genes in this, in this family are very strong. Run strong, right? I, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I love, I'm because he hates it, I'm allergic to Garcia's, thinking that that's an ingredient in the ice cream, but it's actually named after Jerry Garcia. That's so, so cool. So cute. All right, finally from uh, Anonymous, he, him. I'm not proud of myself. After listening to the pussy-ass bitch episode, I thought, wouldn't it be funny to hear Trump say the words in the tweet? And of course, he's been recorded saying them all. So here's a clip for you. Thanks for all you do. <laughs> Trump is a pussy-ass bitch. Oh my God, well done. So thank you everyone for sending in your good news. Again, if you want to send us your good news, you can send it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Also, if you're a patron, if you register at the $5 level, you will be a patron of not just the beans and get the ad-free beans and get to come to the happy hours where we, you know, every other Friday. But you will also be a, a patron of the new Jack podcast with me and Andy McCabe. So that's uh, an ad-free show that you will also get. So thank you very much to our patrons. Uh, you can sign up at, uh, what is it? Patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote. That's right. And um, we look forward to seeing you on those happy hours. They're super fun. Danny, you got to stop in one of these days. You're free on a Friday. For I reals. definitely. Yeah, I do. I really do. All right. Well, that's the show. We'll be back tomorrow in your ears. Do you have any? I think you did your final thoughts at the top of the show. Are you all out? I'm all out for now. Just a happy, happy love day to everyone. Yep. Happy love day. We love you. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. M-S-W-Media. <laughs>